To avoid suffering is to deny healing. This from renowned spiritual teacher and best-selling author Marianne Williamson. Join us here at Book Circle Online as we get ready to gab with Marianne herself. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, (coughs) Book Circle Online. Hi, and welcome back to another edition of Book Circle Online. I'm your host, Katerina Kazayas, and today it is my sincere pleasure to welcome to our studios, to welcome to our studios, Marianne Williamson. Thank you. Thank Thank you you. so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Marianne, your new book, Tears to Triumph, a a, a spiritual journey from suffering to enlightenment, uh, offers us an impassioned spiritual perspective on depression and the epidemic of over-medication that is sweeping our nation. Marianne, what is sadness? Well, sadness is part of the human condition. You know, Buddha said that life is suffering. Mm. We are spiritual beings. We are love. That is who we are, and that is what we are here to do. And humanity has manifest a a civilization which is often so at odds with our hearts, mm. even though we are born to love. We are confronted daily in our lives mm. by so many things that are not love. And that gap between the love in our hearts and the reality of human life is heartbreaking, often, often tragic. And that is where the suffering lies. And the only solution to that suffering is to close the gap. Mm. And if all we do is medicate our suffering, then it's like treating the symptom of a disease but not dealing with it on a causal level. Mm. And I do want to say here, I am not talking about serious mental illness okay. like like schizophrenia or bipolar. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about situations where people have had chronic depression for years and they're working with a serious psychotherapeutic professional and addressing it with psychotherapeutic mm-hmm. drugs. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that we now have an epidemic of casual antidepressant mm-hmm. use due to the fact that we have begun medicalizing situational despair. Can despair be medicalized? Well, that's the point. What mm-hmm. has happened is a kind of psychotherapeutic industri- uh, pharmacological industrial complex okay. has medicalized it. Mm-hmm. My point is that you should not pathologize normal human suffering. Mm-hmm. There is a spectrum of normal human suffering. Mm-hmm. If someone has been through a bitter divorce or a hard breakup, right. this is painful, yes. but it is not a mental illness. Okay. If you have a, dis- mm-hmm. uh, um, a financial, let's say a bankruptcy, you lost a lot of money, mm-hmm. your business Maybe a went death bust. in the family. A death in the family, sure. definitely an mm-hmm. example, painful, but not a mental illness. Mm. And when you th- you throw antidepressants at situations that are part of the normal spectrum of human despair mm-hmm. it, and treat it like it is a category of illness, which is now done, situational yes. depression, right. you are treating depression like it's something different than what is spiritually called the dark night of the soul. And mm. we've been taught a big story about this. This is you and I were talking earlier yes. about a younger generation. Mm-hmm. You know, the 20s are hard. <laughs> the 20s are hard, but they're not Indeed. a mental illness. Right. And the yes. FDA warns that for people 25 years old and younger, mm-hmm. antidepressants actually increase rather than decrease suicidal ideation. But also, if I may, I want to say yes. one other thing yes, before I, I stop. 
I am not suggesting to anyone who is on antidepressants that due to anything we talk about today, you should just go throw them in the trash can. Mm. Getting, I am making an argument that we should be far more reflective and far more sober in deciding whether or not to get on them. But getting off them should never be done except under the supervision of a medical professional. Right. Very important to point out. Absolutely. Yes. The last thing you want to do is just decide to get off them. Right. <clears throat> the thing is, I can very much appreciate your perspective. I'm sure that you're getting a significant amount of pushback because authorities are, uh, I'm sorry, not authorities, but uh, <clears throat> the um, forecasts are telling us that worldwide pharmaceutical drug sales for 2018 are projected to top $870 billion. By 2020, they're expected to top $1 trillion. Bingo, and so Katarina, you is, said it. You know, there is this And why are we push. so easily acquiescing to this? Why are people so mm. quick to defend that? Mm. I find it so interesting. Mm -hmm. Especially, I thought years ago, we stopped... We stop the paradigm of just doing something because the doctor said to do it. Right. And when you have people going to a general practitioner mm -hmm. who just say, I'm having a rough time because my, my parent died, yeah. and the doctor says, well, why don't we give you something? Mm -hmm. um, this is a, this is, is, is a very difficult situation. I don't know why anyone would be defending that. You know, and, and I found it very, very interesting because there's a, um, there's a point in your book where you say, and, <clears throat> and I, this, this stuck with me. She says in the book, if you have 45 tears to cry, why are you only crying 17? And I thought, wow, our society, especially North American society, Western society, does not allow us to grieve. Case in point, I had a friend who lost her father. And, you know, people at work were very supportive. They were, uh, you know, feeling for her. And the answer was, we're terribly sorry for the loss of your father. Take the time you need, but we hope you'll be back at work by Monday. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And that person exactly. may need three weeks exactly. to get through because that. Because we have allowed the 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 dictates of a business model mm. to dominate our society. Right. This idea of productivity. And my feeling is, what could be more productive mm. than grief? Mm -hmm. Because it is transforming your sadness and learning from it and moving mm. through it in a healthy way. So what you're saying, and we all have these anecdotes. Mm. We all have these stories that we can tell about the craziness, and and also. So a big part of this also, Katarina, is the very paradigm of happiness production mm -hmm. that we have bought into <laughs> in our society is actually a setup for despair. You How know, so? Buddha, well, mm. Buddha said that life is suffering, okay. meaning in the mm. ways that you and I talked about earlier, and that things of this world mm -hmm. can only provide temporary happiness. Mm. So we're taught that in order to be happy, decide what would make you happy and go for it. Yeah. That job or that money or mm. that sex or that, that, car, that person, sure. that car, that yeah. house. So half our time, is spent struggling and grasping for this thing we think would make us happy. Mm. Then once we get it, as Buddha said, things of this world can only bring temporary happiness. The fairy dust will rub off, The and which is another way you can say that is the idol will crash mm. because you saw that as the source of your happiness. So idol. the other half of our time is spent in despair over mm -hmm. the fact that what we thought would make us happy didn't. Ah. Rather than the, the spiritual realization that it is our capacity to love one another that produces happiness. Mm. It is our capacity to 
to build bonds, meaningful relationships with, with the universe in which we live and other people, which, by the way, mm-hmm. is the greatest mode of, of success production because it makes me, well, it yeah. makes me comfortable in my skin. Mm. If I'm comfortable in my skin because I feel I live in a supportive universe, mm-hmm. you know, Einstein said the biggest uh, decision we have to make in our life is do you live in a friendly or a hostile universe? Ah. So the world we live in, this over-secularized worldview says mm-hmm. it's all just random events. Okay. How can we not feel terrified? Mm. How can we not feel I have to control things and make things happen to be happy? Mm-hmm. But if you feel that the universe is conspiring, you know, pronoia, we know what paranoia is. Pronoia means the feeling that people are conspiring to help you. If we dwell, <laughs> I don't know that anyone has that feeling ever, Well, that's what a spiritual journey gives you, what I hope people correct. will get from reading my book. The more we are more attitudinally existing within a construct, mm. a spiritual construct mm-hmm. of a friendly universe held together mm. by our loving relationships, then and only then can you feel spiritually at home here. Can you feel comfortable in your skin, and then you go for it. You have, you have a terrific um, line in your book that talks about the, the metaphor between the wave and the ocean. Would you share that with our viewers? Well, this is from A Course in Miracles. It is the idea the Course in Miracles says, you think you are a wave separate from other waves, when really there is no place where one wave stops and another wave starts. Mm. It's like you think you're a sunbeam to the sun separate from other sunbeams. And the significance of this is if you think that you are a wave separate from all the other waves. Mm. How could you not feel terrified of the ocean? Mm. How could you not feel terrified that in any given moment you're going to be obliterated Mm -hmm. and overrun by the other waves? But if you have a completely different psychological orientation and instead think that you are one with every other wave, which in fact every wave is, Mm. then you identify with the power of the ocean itself. And it makes all the difference in the world, who you think you are in a situation, what you think your relationship is to this universe. Mm -hmm. You and I were talking earlier about Mm -hmm. how to face a career where Mm -hmm. women out in the world, Mm -hmm. and it's scary if you only look at it as I have to compete to get ahead and Mm -hmm. there's only so much good and there are only so many people who can have this career, then it just fosters fear and Mm -hmm. it fosters grasping, which ultimately fosters depression, actually. But if instead we realize we are here to serve Mm -hmm. something bigger than ourselves, God as you understand it, whatever your language, spiritual, Mm -hmm. religious, secular, love itself, Mm -hmm. you were here to love, you were here to forgive, then you find your place in things. Then you go for it. Then you know, if I want to be in media, it's Mm -hmm. because some higher power is guiding me to that. If I want to be in the arts, it's Mm -hmm. because a higher power is guiding me to that. If I want to be in sciences or in Mm -hmm. business or whatever, it's because an internal guidance is guiding me to that. Just like every cell in the body is assigned, you to the liver, you to the pancreas, you Mm -hmm. to the heart. Each of us are assigned. Mm -hmm. And every, every... Every flower in the in the in the garden is beautiful. The peony doesn't have to compete with the rose. Sure. The the bird of paradise doesn't have to compete with the violet. It's an entirely different emotional and psychological orientation. Now, now to that point, um, you have a, a. I'm going to quote. I'm going to read straight from the book here, right to that message uh, on page 181. For any of you that may have an advanced copy of the book, um, you say the soul is programmed for greatness of mission. When we are disassociated from that ray of light, we descend into darkness. Much unhappiness in this world is due to the fact that people are failing to perform to their greatness and the greatness of their mission, and they know it. That's right. We know it. It's like sometimes people have this nagging suspicion they're wasting their lives, because Mm. we are. Mm. And, you know, we, we learned a long time ago that you can't just 
not take care of nutrition, mm-hmm. not take care of your diet, not take care of your body through exercise, and then just wait to get sick, and then just try to suppress or eradicate the sickness. You have to proactively create health. And the same thing with happiness. Mm-hmm. You can't just fight depression. We have to proactively create happiness. If you're seeing yourself as a victim, you cannot be happy. Mm-hmm. If you are withholding forgiveness mm-hmm. of others, you cannot be happy. Mm-hmm. If you are failing to atone and, and make right where you yourself are mistaken, you cannot be happy. If you are failing to, to identify with a higher being and a higher source and seeing your mission on the earth, to glorify Mm. that greatness that is within you but does not come from you, you cannot be happy. And that's why people are sad. We feel like, I don't think I'm doing on this planet what I was sent to do. And you're right, you're not. Reconnect with that source through prayer, meditation, spiritual practice, however you find and, it. And are those the steps that you would recommend then to, to try and find that place of happiness? Absolutely. I, what, I, what are your spiritual um, remedies, I would I, I would. Well, first of say. all, meditation. Okay. Prayer and meditation, whether you were mm. taught, uh, there is no serious spiritual path, including something like the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, mm. 11th step through prayer and meditation, mm. that which reconnects us with our source. Okay. Or if you don't relate to language like that just to wake up in the morning and mm. and and wish to be a more loving person today wish to be an instrument of peace today mm. wow and speaking of peace uh, given the tragedy that happened in orlando uh this past weekend i think we are in desperate need of that <clears throat> we are in desperate need of that uh, our hearts go out to the victims of orlando uh, i don't want to move this into a gun control um, conversation, uh, but it, can you touch on <clears throat> some of the um, what the, the grieving families might be able to do to help overcome this hard time? Well, we, we need to talk about more than what the grieving families need to do. Mm. We, we need to talk about what the nation needs mm. to do. And to some extent, that does include a gun control conversation. Grown-ups okay. can have a tough conversation. Mm. But I think the important thing is to remember after 9-11, mm-hmm. The the heartbreak, the collective heartbreak, really opened the mind. Mm. And Americans, you remember that there were people just standing in offices at water coolers saying, why do they hate us? Did you know people hated us? Why do people hate us? Mm. There was We were in our hearts and we were in our deep minds. And then you remember when the government just sort of shut that down. Oh, and, and said, hey, just, we're going to war. Or right. go shopping, we'll handle it. <laughs> and so I think what mm. we want to do with the sadness that we're all feeling today is not numb ourselves to it, Mm. not distract ourselves from it. That's what we tend to do in America. Every time something like this happens, Mm. we take the heartache, Mm. but only only as long as we absolutely need to, Mm. and then we go on to the next subject. So whether it's gun control Mm. or atonement for the invasion of Iraq and the creation of ISIL, uh, uh, all the different things that we need to talk about then is where we should be going deep into our hearts, Mm. deep into our sadness. And when we do go deep into our sadness and not just jump out of it, Mm. that's really the point, whether it has to do with our individual sadness or our collective sadness. Really ask for the guidance, ask for the wisdom. Mm. That's the point of of sadness is ultimately it can make us better people, it can make us wiser people, and that's where we want to go with this as with our, in our own individual grief. Yes, because as you say, to avoid suffering... If you avoid the suffering, you deny yourself the ability to heal because you numb your senses of why you're in discomfort. And I also think that this situation in Orlando Mm -hmm. is an example of all the things going on in the world 
that do make us depressed. You know, when we talk about people being depressed, we often talk about it as just Billy is depressed or John Mm -hmm. is depressed or Rebecca is depressed or Mm -hmm. Sarah is depressed. No. How many times is the depression that we're feeling on an individual level actually rooted in a collective cause? Mm. And that's one of the reasons. I mean, we're all depressed at what's happening to the planet. We're all depressed. You don't have to be living in Iraq to see it on your computer when somebody has their head chopped off. You know, we're all we're all living in this in the situation of of so much stress and anxiety. One of the reasons we don't want to be numb to it is because we want to be awake and alive to Mm. the challenges that confront us. What would have happened if everybody who was an abolitionist had just numbed their pain and Mm. hadn't been upset about about slavery? Mm. Where would we be if the women suffragettes had just wanted to go into an emotional flatline and feel okay with it and and not get upset about it? Thank you. That that is, and that is not a joke. We wouldn't be voting for Hillary Clinton pretty soon. (laughs) Or whoever you're voting for. The women wouldn't be voting, period. I know where you're going with this. Um, the, the question for me, Marianne, is we have been given uh, these tools by the great religions of our time, whether yes. it's Buddha, whether it's the messages of Moses, whether it's the teachings of Jesus. We have been given these lessons how have they been so lost in the way our societies developed? Well, that's certainly um, the, a very good question. And, of course, it's not just our society. Over the last um, couple of hundred years, mm. organized institutionalized religion has, in many ways, abdicated its moral authority. Mm. And many people at our time just didn't want any more of it. They didn't mm. want any more of the dogma. They didn't want any more of the, the, the doctrine. They didn't mm. want any more of the guilt. They didn't mm. want any more of the rules. Because too many times institutionalized, organized religion, not all the time, Mm -hmm. but too many times there's so much syrup, they forgot the waffle. Mm -hmm. Well, what a lot of people have come to understand over the last few decades Mm -hmm. is that they found that they had thrown away the baby with the bathwater. That's why books like A Course in Miracles, which is not Mm -hmm. a religion, have Mm -hmm. become so popular. People want the internal mystical gold. Mm -hmm. That's why the book talks about Buddha and the Old Testament and the New Testament. And of course, there's Muhammad and there's Hinduism Mm -hmm. and there are all the great religious teachings Mm -hmm. of the world. I'm not an expert on all of them, (laughs) but I took three that I can talk about in terms of universal spiritual themes. Mm. And among all of them, there is the theme, without compassion, we cannot be happy. Without forgiveness, we cannot be happy. Mm. Without atonement for our own mistakes, we cannot be happy. And so a society and a culture which has arisen in which there is no conversation Mm. about our responsibility to each other and brotherly love and brotherly connection is is a culture that cultivates... A lack of happiness. Hmm. And then for, you and, know, it's like depressed people. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it's like sad people today. Depressed people today are like canaries in the coal mine, hmm. and the canaries are dying. But the owner of the coal mine is saying there's something wrong with the canaries. Right, but they're trapped in this, you know, toxic Yes, uh, yes, yes. And so, the, coal the, mine. and that's why it's so dangerous hmm. to think that you have a problem. In, in fact, sometimes neurosis is, is best reflected not by what makes you upset, but by what doesn't make you upset. <laughs> if you're not grieving about Orlando, today there's something wrong with you Mm. of course we should be sad you should be sad when situations are sad Mm -hmm. and not go look for medication well and also there's this whole story that we've all bought into about depression as a chemical imbalance but i'd like to ask you and ask all your listeners Mm -hmm. who do you know that was diagnosed uh, and prescribed antidepressants had their brain chemistry checked first Mm. 
It's a questionnaire. There is no blood test for depression. There is a questionnaire. Mm. Now, once again, I'm I'm not in any way stigmatizing mental illness. I'm not in any way minimizing mental illness. But neither should we pathologize normal human suffering. And there is a spectrum of normal human suffering. And the fact that we suffer when situations are tragic means that we're mentally healthy, not mentally ill. Speaking of <clears throat> mentally healthy, I was introduced to your work by uh, a dear friend of mine, Thomas. And I have delved into some of your material. I, I am also um, a student of A Course in Miracles. One of the themes that underlines all of this is forgiveness and atonement. Why do people find it so difficult to forgive? Well, first of all, it's understandable why we find it difficult to forgive. Sometimes people hurt our feelings. Mm. Sometimes people betray us. Mm. Sometimes people abandon us. Sometimes people transgress. Sometimes people steal from us. How do you then, <clears throat> if they have done all those things, move past that? Real forgiveness is a shift in self-perception, as you know, mm. from body identification to spirit identification. What does that mean? That means that I can learn, and this is what the spiritual journey is, to primarily focus not on what happens in the realm of circumstance, okay. but what is spiritually true. What is spiritually true is that we were all created as innocent beings, and we were not created to be at the effect of lovelessness in ourselves or in others. Okay. Now, if you hurt me, let's say you did something mm -hmm. to, to hurt me. Okay. If I focus on what you did to me, this is how powerful the mind is. Okay. If I focused on what you did to me, then I will not help. I will not be able to escape the direct experience of what you did to me. Okay. And the anger, the frustration, the anxiety. And the, okay. and, and the pain. Yes. If I am willing to shift my focus, just mm -hmm. my willingness, you know, sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's a little thing. It's easy as... Oh, lighten up, Marianne. Right. Sometimes you, you hit me in a deep childhood mm. trigger, a wound, and I really need God's help with this. But I am willing to stop focusing on your guilt. That is the only thing that will free me mm. from the experience that puts me at the effect of your guilt. Okay. What the Course in Miracles says is that miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. Okay. So if you did something to hurt me, the universe is like a GPS. If I took a wrong turn, it automatically recalibrates okay. to get me to my destination. Mm. So if you hurt me, the Course in Miracles says the universe is automatically calibrated mm. to give me that which is mine. But if I am angry at you and I close my heart to you, I'm deflecting the miracle. Mm. So I forgive you as an act of self-interest. Ah, and, and you feel the lightness of the weight of that forgiveness. Exactly. By releasing it. Not that this is easy. Mm. Yes. No, it's not. And sometimes we ask, <laughs> have to ask God's help. Yes. But bitterness does mm. not bring the correction. Bitterness does not bring the correction. You know, I always say you can be bitter or you can be better. Mm -hmm. I don't wish mm. to be at the effect of your transgression. So to the best of my ability, I take responsibility for any part I might have played okay. in the disaster. Mm. I forgive myself then. I forgive you. And I'm willing to allow the universe to repair that which has been broken. With intent to become a happy person. 
you better. That's the whole point. Mm. It's the only way I can be happy. Mm -hmm. If I wish you, if I'm always pointing my finger yeah. at you, the, the idea on a metaphysical level is that because every wave is connected to every other wave, mm -hmm. every we are a part of each other on the level of mind. If I'm attacking you, I am attacking myself. Mm -hmm. If I am saying you do not deserve to be happy, I am subconsciously training my own mind, programming mm -hmm. my own mind to not allow me to be happy either. Hmm. It's, you know, this is a lot easier said than done, yes. but it's the only thing worth doing if we right. wish to live peaceful lives. Now, our, our demographic here at Book Circle Online, we, we um, broadcast via podcast, via YouTube, via our website here at Book Circle Online, uh, but our demographic tends to be a little younger, uh, millennials, um, people in that age, and one of the things... <clears throat> Uh, with depression in the United States, the median age for depression to be diagnosed uh, is 32. <clears throat> and I find that an interesting age because that's also the age of some of our viewers and listeners. What is it about that age as a median age that you feel may get people feeling as though they're sad, anxious, depressed? I, I don't think buying into that story is particularly helpful because mm. I don't I don't buy the whole medicalization of despair story. Mm. At I, all. I don't buy it. Mm -hmm. So I, I challenge the assertion mm. that this is a medical issue. And I, I have been, by the way, through t two periods of my life mm -hmm. that were what would definitely be regarded as clinical depression. Okay. So there is a period of life that is where that is depression. I mean, the, the I'm not saying the phenomenon does not exist. For me, uh, the one time I went through that was in my late 20s okay, um, because of a personal tragedy that I had been through, mm -hmm. and then quite a bit later in my life. Um, both of them situational. There is mm -hmm. situational despair. Okay. By the time you're in the, your early 30s in the, our society, you are beginning to be confronted by the gaps between the organizing principles in our society and the truth in our hearts. Such you, as? Well, you've been taught what would make you happy. You need to go out there and make it happen. Mm. So you need to go out there and make it happen. By the time I'm in my early 30s, I should be able to do that. I should have Number my house, one, my car, my wife, right. my life. First of all, mm. we have the issue of the terrible <clears throat> income inequality in our huh. society. Once mm. again, you don't want to be numb to that. You need to be out there as an activist working on this, mm. getting the money out of politics so that all the money... In, uh, in the, so many of the material resources of our country stop being siphoned off into the hands of a very few. When you have a tiny portion of the American population controlling the vast, vast majority of wealth, then that squeezes too many people out of a shot at thriving entrepreneurship and thriving mm -hmm. careers. Of course, this makes us depressed. Mm -hmm. This is not that we have a disease. It's that we have a problem in our society. Once again, don't mm -hmm. be asleep, baby. This is not a time to right. be numb. This is, yes, and the yes, other thing yeah. is the Buddhist principle I was talking about. We've been told a bill of goods that that will make you happy. You know, if, if my book sells, it'll make me happy for, uh, for a bit. It absolutely will. But if I have the idea that my fundamental happiness in life will come Depends because my book sells, yes. then, then mm -hmm. that's a setup for despair, not for happiness. Why are we not teaching our children, going into our schools and, and relaying some of these messages more heavily than because we are. Love <laughs> because love is radical. And also because love Heaven forbid there's love in the world. Well, yeah, and also, <laughs> let's, you know, there's no one to blame. It's a mm. thought system that dominates the planet. Mm. So it's no one out there doing this to us. We are all part of this. And we dismantle that thought system by dismantling it within ourselves. And that's what, a ser that's what the search for enlightenment is. A serious spiritual path 
is an unlearning. It's not a mm. learning. It's an unlearning of a mental mindset mm-hmm. dominated by fear. And then what happens is that we experience this transformation. We surrender one thought system based on fear. We accept instead a thought system based on love. Mm-hmm. Then we go back out into the world like you're doing mm-hmm. and, and like I'm doing. Sure. You and I aren't like sitting home just like right. just meditating. Right. We meditate and, and then, then we, we go do something. Right? <laughs> and we take these principles yeah. in whatever way they're flowing through us. Absolutely. And so whether you're a teacher mm-hmm. or whether you're a business person or yeah. whether you're a politician yes. or whether you're an mm-hmm. economist or whatever, you become, you know, in the yeah. Old Testament, God said to the Israelites, I will make of you a nation of priests. Mm. And what's happening today is people are rising up and, and this new priesthood that whatever you do, you stand within that space at the highest level of excellence, mm. not just to get something for you, but in order to hold an alternative, the mm. possibility of a new kind of life. Mm. And that's this new priesthood. And by the way, you'll be more successful at what you do by definition, because you'll have charisma and you'll have passion and, and people right. will go, whoa. What's he got? What's she got? <laughs> and then you go, well, I just meditated this morning. <laughs> so point, point, to, point to viewers, meditate. Yeah. No. Um, <clears throat> Marianne, one of the things that we, um, that we definitely want to touch on is how people can find their light. Um, you talk about finding light, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to say it. It's been, it's been repeated countless times over. Uh, it's a quote of yours. It's often misattributed uh, to Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Um, it is one of your most famous quotes. And, and that is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Uh, that it is our light and not our darkness that frightens us. <clears throat> Why are so many people frightened to come into their own? Well, that paragraph is from my book, A Return to Love. Mm. And Return to Love is reflections on the principles of A Course in Miracles. Mm. So the point that you just quoted is straight out of A Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. We are taught to identify with the notion of a small separate self, that Mm. I'm separate from you. That in A Course in Miracles is called the ego. Mm -hmm. When I realize that I'm part of something bigger than myself, that is the death of the ego. Mm. So the ego says, no, don't Don't, go there. Don't go there. I'll I'll die. You'll die. But actually, it will die. Right. For the betterment of you. you can live. Right. Right. So what the ego says, no, is what the spirit says, yes. Mm -hmm. And so how do we find the light? First of all, the light is there. The light was created by God. You do not generate your own light. You're the faucet. You're not the water. (laughs) We find the light by acknowledging the light. You acknowledge a power in you, but not of you. Mm. You acknowledge a higher power. You acknowledge God as you understand God, whatever your language is. Mm. You acknowledge that this is not just about me. Something much bigger is going on than Mm. just me, but it lives in me. And at that moment, your synapses just explode with light. Do you believe in destiny? What I believe is that every situation, I am destined to meet you. Okay. You and I are destined to meet. What we do with this relationship Mm. is entirely up to us. Ah, So we have free will. Uh uh Free will. So Mm. I am destined to to have this relationship, but what we do with the relationship is completely up to us. Mm. Which which makes one very powerful, actually. That's incredibly powerful. Every thought is extremely powerful. So all relationships, according to A Course in Miracles, Mm -hmm. all relationships, and I talk about this in this book there's a whole chapter on relationships all relationships are assignments and the assignment represents 
maximal growth opportunity. Mm. But we've all been in relationships where either we or the other person didn't take advantage <laughs> of the maximal growth opportunity, right. which means you'll just meet another person down the road, maybe in another city, another body, who will represent the same lessons until need. we learn them. And by the way, mm -hmm. that is one of the areas, God knows, where we have our most suffering and our own pain is relationships, relationships. that crashed and burned. Well, because I think we've been fed this um, fairy tale story. You will be okay when your Prince Charming shows up. You, as a man, need to be protective of a woman. And we haven't been taught that we can find a lot of those things in ourselves first and then be able to share them. Well, I think men should be protective of women, and I think women should be protective of men. Mm. And I think women should be protective of women, and men should be protective of men. Mm. So the, that's not a fairy tale that we should be protective of okay. each other. Um, but what you were referring to, of course, in The, the Course the in Miracles is called tale, yeah. The Special Relationship, right. which I talk about in the book. If I think that the source of my happiness, let's say I'm with a beloved in okay. my life mm -hmm. later tonight. And I don't think my relationship with you matters. And I don't think my relationship with almost anybody matters. Okay. And then I'm supposed to see him later tonight. And I'm basically starved and wanting him to give me everything I need. If, on the other hand, I, I see this relationship as a place where I can give and mm -hmm. thus be fed, and every interaction with every human being as one in which I can give of my spirit and thus be fed, mm -hmm. by the time I see him late tonight, I'm like, hey, baby, I'm full. How you doing? And I come <laughs> not with a gimme, 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 because I'm starved, but I come too. with a, hey, yes. hi, do mm -hmm. I have something to give you? What's mm -hmm. that going to do? Is that going to attract him or repel him? Right. You tell me. Yes, absolutely. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Did some research on that one. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the underlying message you want to um, to make with this book, I know you're not out to attack the pharmaceutical industry. No. However, you are wanting people to understand that not necessarily medicating yourself for the little things is the way to go. Well, that's not. That's just one little piece of the book. Mm -hmm. This book is about how to navigate sadness. Mm. It, it's about realizing that sadness is part of life mm -hmm. until we're enlightened beings and until we're a enlightened world. And that being sad when situations are sad is appropriate. Mm -hmm. And that much of our sadness is about collective issues that we all need to address. And that all the great religious systems address sadness. Mm. All of them address sadness. Jesus suffered on the cross. The, new, the Israelites were suffering as slaves. Mm. But the point is, Buddha said life is, is suffering, and then that led him on the journey to his enlightenment and nirvana. Mm. The Israelites were enslaved as um, uh, uh, in Pharaoh, Egypt, yeah. and then that led to their journey to the promised land. Mm. Jesus suffered on the cross, and that led to the resurrection. So whether we're talking about nirvana, or the promised land, mm. or resurrection, or inner peace, or enlightenment, it's ultimately the same thing. It's the idea that we can evolve to a level of consciousness in which we have been delivered from our suffering, and suffering is no more. Do you feel you have reached that place? I have not reached that place on a 24-7 basis. I am not a fully enlightened human being, but I'm, I, I certainly consider myself someone who's on the journey, mm. and I think I live a happy life. Okay. I know I live a happy life. I think the point in this book, though, is that even the happiest life has some sad days, and that's okay, too. And that's okay. I think that's, that's okay. part of the message. If that's I ever okay. become a fully enlightened master, I'll, I'll tell you all about Call it. Call me, please I'm let me know. I'm not there yet. <laughs> But right now, I'm a person who lives a happy life. Okay. I have some sad days, yes. but I feel that my, my understanding
understanding of these issues has given me the tools by which to move through them, mm-hmm. hopefully grow from them, and become a better human being. Yes. Your, um, your book tonight, uh, you're launching <clears throat> your book. Would you tell us where, if you're in the uh, Los Angeles or Southern California area, we can come and see you tonight? You can come and see me live, and you can live stream it from anywhere in the world uh, at Marianne.com. So if you're in Los Angeles, I will be at 730 tonight at the Saban Theater, 8440 Wilshire Boulevard in, La- in uh, Beverly Hills. And if you're not there, please go on to um, uh, go on to Marianne.com. Mm-hmm. You can live stream it. And the book is available now. It's available at Amazon.com. The official pub date is tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, yes. So if you order it now, you can get it. And my deepest hope is that it brings comfort to someone either going through a sad time now or trying to more deeply understand the sad times that all of us do go through. You have had a 30-year uh, a career, perhaps more. 33. 33-year um, yeah. career in, in counseling people through grief, yes. in spreading the message of love. Um, it's clearly not a, a message that can <clears throat> stop being spread. Uh, and so I thank you for continuing to write. This is, Marianne, is this your 10th or your 13th book? It depends I, I, if you call every prayer book. <laughs> if you count that, you count the children's books. Okay. But yeah, at least 12. Yeah. At least 12 books, uh, yeah. four of which were number one on the New York, yes. New York bestsellers yes, list. Um, I wish you all the, all the very you. much success with this book. And um, I wish you d- great success with all the great work you do, thank too. You, thank, thank you, thank you. This is um, this was a pleasure to read, thank and I, I highly recommend it for... Um, I don't want to say for anyone going through a time of grief, because it, it is not about that. Uh, if you are going through a time of grief, please pick this up. It will help immensely, I believe. Um, and if you're not going through grief, it's still a very important book to read through, because... At times, as human beings, we will go through periods of sadness. Sadness is part of and, where we live. Uh, and this will very much make you not feel alone, and I think that's important. Um, Marianne, I thank you very, very much for thank being with us today. Much. I congratulate you. you. I wish you good luck with tonight. Thank you. And uh, for those of you that would like to rewatch us here at Book Circle Online, remember you can catch us via iPod, podcast, via YouTube, and, of course, here at Book Circle Online online.com. I'm your host, Katerina Kazayas. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you again next time. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.